What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all, as always, coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. Rivalry weekend is in the books. Army beat Navy for the first time since 2019. Hopkins snapped a five-game losing streak to Maryland and Michigan beat Ohio State in convincing fashion on Friday night. They also saw Penn State get a big win over Rutgers to take home what I believe is called the Friendship Cup, which I always forget every year that they play for a uh, for a trophy, uh, Penn State and Rutgers do. Uh, you saw Notre Dame, Virginia get convincing wins over ACC rivals as well. The MAC tournament is set. The Big Ten tournament is set. More teams have clinched in the Patriot League. The A-Sun is looking wilder outside of Utah after a big upset win from Air Force. We will talk about all of that and more on this episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. I want to start things off with um, Army and Navy. And, you know, the two games I got to watch the most of on Saturday was Army-Navy and Maryland-Hopkins. Army-Navy having been moved to 1 p.m. Um, because of uh, due to uh, what was some inclement weather moving into the area later that night. Um, I believe they played baseball this weekend as well and had both those uh, games postponed to today, Sunday. As well, so uh, rainy, rainy day there on the East Coast in Maryland in the Annapolis area, and uh, you know Maryland Hopkins got in uh, without a trace. It seemed like there on Saturday night there in uh, College Park, uh, but Army and Navy. This is a game that every year, like a lot of rivalry games, you say we throw the record books out. It, you know, what happens is what happens. Uh, both teams get up for this game unlike any other throughout the season. Um, and the fact of the matter is, uh, for Army and Navy, if you beat, you know, if you're Army and you beat Navy or vice versa, uh, that that's, that's goal number one of the season. You can lose every other game, but you have to beat Army. Or if you're Navy, you have to be, uh, if you have to beat Army if you're Navy. You have to beat Navy if you're Army. Uh, this is the most important game of the season for these two programs. It's very, very important. And uh, Army comes out on top 11-6 to on Saturday. And to me, this didn't have a typical Army-Navy feel to it. So you would think Army, and from what I heard they didn't hear about the game change or the game change or time change didn't happen until they were already on their way down. So you have to think Army's on the road. They're coming down from West Point and they get news that we have a time change from 7 p.m. to 1 p.m. You would think that would impact the 
load team more because the mindset has changed, um, what they do has changed in, in terms of pregame, in terms of leading up to the game. Not all that different from what you would do in a normal day, but what you thought was going to happen at the time that it was going to happen, everything has changed. Um, Navy, for them, they're, they're at home. they home sweet home. They can get up in their own beds, do what, do what they have to do, do their pregame stuff, and, and they roll on. They were going to do that anyway, albeit a different time, but still, you would think time change like that impacts the road team more. And that didn't seem to be the case. Army came out firing on all cylinders in this one. Um, as I pull up the stat sheet from this contest here, you had the Black Knights pull ahead 3-0 early in this contest. Reese Buick, Andrew Kelly, and Paul Johnson get goals on each of Army's first possessions. Army scored on each of its first three possessions, and that set the tone. And that tone kind of rang true throughout, where it never felt like Army was out of this, uh, was going to lose this game. But in the sa- in, 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 in somewhat of a respect, it never felt like Navy was out of the game. Um, and especially in the third quarter, where the midshipmen, they go on that three-goal three run, they hold Army uh, to one goal there in the third quarter. I thought... Uh, Pat Ryan played fantastic in that in, in that third quarter. I thought Navy overall played very well in that third quarter. They came out of halftime after being down nine to two. Uh, came out of halftime with a sense of urgency that you did not see from them early in this game. If they would have brought that sense of urgency to the first quarter and the second quarter, I think this would have been a much different game. It felt like Navy was asleep at the wheel to start this thing. And then halftime comes, light bulb finally clicks on, and it's too late. And look, when you're going up against this Army defense, A.J. Pallott had a, a pilot, however you say it, had a fantastic game um, for Army in this one. I believe he ended the contest with, was it four cause turnovers? Three cause turnovers, four ground balls. Um, and two of those cause turnovers, which I believe both were in the second half, were plays in which he not only dislodged the ball from his opponent, but just de-sticked the guy as well. Um, Navy had an extremely tough day offensively, and that was something... Coming into the game, Navy had had a pretty solid uh, offensive showing the past couple of weeks. Uh, they had been on that four-game uh, four winning streak and really looked a lot better. They looked improved. Um, even with some guys still out, it looked like things were coming back into form. That was not the case on, on Saturday. Uh, they shot, I believe it was 2 of 26, their starting lineup shot. Uh, you had... Max Hewitt had a goal and an assist, and then you had um, Henry Tolker had a goal in this game. Those are the only starters that scored in this contest. Now, Xavier Arline comes off the bench. He had been injured 
I believe this was his first or second game back. <clears throat> but he had come back and come off the bench in this contest. And I thought he played very well. Uh, he had the very notable, you know, behind the back. I believe it was right at or even uh, below GLE to an extent. Um, behind the back shot, which was fantastic. But um, outside of that little spurt in the third quarter, and, and, and look, you know, Navy, I mentioned Army gets up 3-0. Navy responds. Dane Swanson gets a goal. Um, and then Arline gets that BTV goal early in the second. That makes it 5-2. And at that point, you, you felt like, okay, if Navy can build some momentum off of this, that they, they, they can they, they can eat into this into this lead. Um that would that was the closest they would ever get was three one and was five two. That's the closest they would ever get. Um even with that three goal run there in the third, which ended with an all line goal, you had Jack Flaherty had the um was it him? Yeah, he had the the big shot from up top. Henry Tolker, you know, finishes inside and then all line takes his man um, and and finishes inside as well. It's nine to five. It's nine to five. That's a four goal lead. They needed to get it within three, and they were never able to. Reese Buick, he gets his fourth on the day, and I thought when Buick scored that goal with three oh five left in the third, and then Army doesn't capitalize on their next couple possessions. That's for me. Look, I thought at halftime. It's a tall task for Navy to come back, but you see them kind of clawing away, and then but when, when Buick kind of shuts that up with that goal, I knew this is over, um, and it, it was and a fantastic day as I mentioned for AJ Pilot and the Army defense holding Navy's uh, starters to two of twenty six for shooting on the day. Knox dead uh, ten saves. In cage for the Black Knights. Uh, he had eight of those in the first half. I thought he played fantastic through those first couple of quarters. Uh, Will Coletti at the faceoff dot. He went, you find his stats here. Will Coletti went on the day, had a very successful day at the dot 75%, um, six for eight in the second half alone. He goes 60% on the day as a whole. Um, I, I did think, like, early in this game, it, it wasn't that Navy was not getting, like, the the adamant possessions because uh, Anthony Gobiel did have some, 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 good, some good draws. He did do pretty well um, there for a minute. But, uh, as always, going up against Will Coletti, a guy of his stature, a player of his caliber, it's going to be tough to sustain that. Uh, Navy, they went 7 of 6 in the first half in um, in faceoffs with Gobiel there. So he was going above, you know, a little bit above 50% there in the first half. But the second half, that all drops off. Um, and look, uh, th this game... Uh, if it is not for that third quarter that Navy had, this is a game that is maybe, I don't know, Army maybe gets to you know, 13, 14, you know, 15 goals in this one before they, 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 they pull. I mean, this 
this thing could have gotten out of hand sooner. Uh, but again, a, a, a tremendous game here for the Black Knights defense. Um, I mentioned Reese Buick led the way offensively with four goals, one assist. Ellie O'Connor had two goals. Evan Plunkett had two very uh, good goals in this one as well. Uh, two consecutive, one late in the first, one early in the second. Um, that I thought really uh, was the helped spark this Army run that they had uh, later on in that frame. You had... Uh, Buick, O'Connor, uh, Jacob Mullen, uh, and then Buick again uh, get that four-goal run, and, and that kind of silence this one makes it nine to two at the half, and and the rest is history from that point on. Um, there, you know, minus the third quarter, Army dominated this contest um, throughout, and and, and thoroughly uh, dominated in this one. Again, it didn't feel like a typical Army Navy game because of that. Uh, typically, we see, I mean, this was an overtime game last year. Typically, we see uh, both these teams come out with the same intensity, the same ferocity. Um, and on Saturday, it, it, it felt like one team ha had it and one team didn't. Um, and, like, even in years where maybe Army isn't as good or Navy isn't as good, um, they both get up for this game. And it didn't feel like Navy got up as much for this game as Army did. Um I, I think part of that, you know, with, with Army, they did have maybe um, greater motivation going into it, wanting to get back from last season and wanting this senior class, wanting to get a win over Navy to end their careers. But uh, at the same time, you expect Navy to get up just as much as those guys would and match that intensity. They were unable to do so. And uh, the Black Knights and Coach Albrechtsi get the big win here, uh, and this is a big win. Uh, you know, this sets up a situation now, and and with Boston U um, beating who they beat on on Saturday, with with Boston U winning their game against Lehigh. That's who it was. Uh, that was on TV as well. Uh, Boston U winning the Lehigh game, fourteen to eleven. By virtue of that, and Army winning against Navy, this sets up a battle next week. Army Boston U for the number one seed in the Patriot League. Um, going to be an exciting one nonetheless. Moving on here to Hopkins and Maryland. So um, I just talked about a game that I, I don't think maybe lived up to the expectation that I thought it would have, that many of us thought it would have. This game certainly did. And Hopkins, 12, Maryland, 11. This game saw 10 ties. Um, it, this thing was deadlocked forever. Teams are just chipping away at each other. You get a goal, you get a goal. You know the Oprah Winfrey uh meme where it's like, no, you get a call, you get a call. It felt like that. Um, j j just Maryland goal, Hopkins goal. And I think the the, the the biggest surprise here for me, uh, maybe not surprise, but the biggest takeaway for me is that, you know, coming into this game, and we talked about it all season, how much better Hopkins is playing this year than last. How much better Hopkins is uh, th th than they were, you know, um, you know, two, even three years ago. This is a program that's taken a big step forward. And uh, this was their first win uh, uh, over Hopkins, excuse me, over Maryland of the Peter Millman era. 
this was their first win over Maryland in uh, in well six games actually, uh, fending uh, you know, breaking that five game losing streak. This is one the Hopkins wanted, and this is one I think coming in the Hopkins felt they could have. Hopkins is the better team this season uh, when played against Maryland, obviously, and you saw that tonight, uh, last night, in that contest. A a, a fantastic game here, Uh, but more than that, the the, the biggest sole factor, I think, that stood out to me was the way in which Hopkins was able to win at the faceoff dot. Like, I picked Maryland in this game. And the reason I picked Maryland is because I thought, well, you know, Maryland, I, I thought that their, their, their defensive midfielders, their rope unit was a bit better. I thought they were going to be better in the middle of the field. And I thought that Wigman was going to provide them an X factor that Hopkins did not have. I was wrong about that. Tyler Dunn goes 14 for 23 on the day for uh the Blue Jays in this one. And look, uh, Russell Melendez, uh, welcome to the rivalry, my man. Uh, he goes in this one. Um, two goals, three assists for five points on the day. Two of his goals come late in the contest. He has one late in the third uh, with just seconds left. And then one, I believe it was, uh, was it early or... Early in the fourth, I believe it was. If I'm correct on that, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Early, uh, I mean, late in the fourth, uh, which capped what was a two-goal run for uh, Hawkins, Jacob Angelus, Russell Melendez. That's the first two-goal run that either team had had um, since you saw Pesco and Carlson get two in a row late in the third, and then you know Maryland. Like, this was a game that from the 10.39 mark through the 11.56 mark of uh, the 11, 10.39 mark of the first through the 11.56 mark of the third, both teams just traded back and forth, back and forth, two goal runs. Uh, This, again, as I said, was a game where everyone had an answer to anything else that the other side did. Um, was truly a fantastic game and truly showed how, I think, to me, the biggest takeaway is how much Hopkins has improved. Um, I know some people would say, oh, you know, no, Maryland's, Maryland's down, Maryland can't do it anymore. I'm not sure I'd say that. Uh, but uh, Hopkins has certainly gotten a lot better. They were able to, uh, you, you know, fight through a, a, a tough Maryland squad and, and vice versa in many respects as well. I mean, this is a 12-11 game. This is a tight game all the way down to the wire. Uh, Russell Melendez really, I think, showing himself to, to, to be that kind of player on this stage where you get a goal late in the late in the third, you get a goal late in the fourth, um, and then you assist on, I believe, was it the... Uh, the other two goals during that uh, during that frame, well, you assisted on the goal prior to that as well uh, with Angelus. So, I mean, he is super involved in this offense down the stretch and making those plays down the stretch that are going to uh, help Hopkins answer 
and help Hopkins win this game. Um, and, and look, all you need is one more goal than the other team. That's all you need. And Hopkins was able to get that, and a big part of that is due to Russell Melendez. Um, he's not the only guy that we saw, you know, really blow up in his first the rivalry game. Braden Oska, the freshman from Maryland, played fantastic. Four goals, one assist. I hope we see this matchup again. Uh, so, and we'll talk about the Big Ten tournament on Tuesday's show, but. Um, Rutgers and Maryland play in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. I know that sounds so crazy to say Maryland's playing in the quarterfinals, but they are. Uh, They're the number three seed. And so they're playing in that, uh, number three versus number six. And, um, you know, the winner of that game is going to play Maryland, is going to play Hopkins uh, in the uh, semifinals on, I believe it's next Saturday. Um, I mean, Friday, but next weekend. So, I, uh, excuse me, two weekends. Um, I, I, uh, I, I hope we see Maryland, Maryland and, and Hopkins again. I think that's, that'll be, that'll be a good battle. That'll be a good battle. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Mel about Hopkins this season and how well they finish games. Another example right here. Another example right here. Maryland had some stretches. Maryland had some opportunities down the stretch uh, to, to, to tie it. Uh, they did tie it. They had opportunities to get back in front and couldn't do it. Marcel was there. The defense was there. Um, just just an overall fantastic game in this contest. And, and again, my main thing is hey, I'm not going to sit here and say right now Hopkins is back, um, but... I'm going to say this is a program that is much improved. For me, for me, for Hopkins to be back, they have to make championship weekend. They have to make championship weekend. Um, but beating Maryland and, and, and being able to win this kind of game, and again, I think I've said this multiple times this year, this is a kind of game that last year Hopkins loses. It just is. It just is. Won it this year. Transfers obviously a big impact there um, with with. Melendez and, and and with um uh, what's his name um Mazone on defense Smith played I mean Smith played well uh, Tyler Dunn though doing what he did the dot really was kind of the surprise of the day for me in terms of this uh, Johns Hopkins performance. I right, moving on to some other games and moving to Friday. Uh, so Michigan beat Ohio State. Uh, 19 to 14 in that one on Friday night. Um, a big win here for Michigan. They get the number um, number four seed in the uh, Big Ten tournament. They will play Ohio State again next week. So we'll see if they can beat them two times in a row. Um, for Michigan lacrosse, this was the. Um, I think this they've beaten uh, Ohio State before, but this was the best one that they've had by far, by far the best one they've had. Um, Michael Bame had a program record eight goals to lead the way in this win. Joshua Water three goals, one assist. Ryan Cohen, th- uh, uh, Cohen, excuse me, three goals, one assist. Um, Shane Carr six saves in cage to anchor this defense. Nick Lawlett, Justin Wheatfield go 75 and 82% respectively 
at the dot. They go 78% on the day overall. That's a big piece of this one because Michigan dominated possession. And what have we talked about with Ohio State uh, during their uh, d- during this this back half of the season here, uh, especially faceoff woes. Drew Blanchard goes out, and they have not had an answer against anyone. And uh, today was another example of that. I mean, and, and then look, Michigan just being able to just pull it on. Um, the way they did in this game against a defense that's, that, that has really good, talented players on it that we know, um, that, I mean, that was impressive. That, that was impressive. I, I don't think there's much to say about this, about this game other than that. Um, I mean, look, Michigan, you have two wins in Big Ten play. You, you have to be happy with that. Um, you obviously want more, and you certainly could have had more. Uh, we talked about that, that at length on Thursday about how Michigan has looked good in each and every one of their games this season, practically, you know, minus um, the, the the Notre Dame game. That's the only game where they've looked bad uh, through, uh, you know, not up to par with their opponent uh, throughout. And they've been successful here down the stretch, even even you know, close losses. Um, and then finally to get one and to get it over your biggest rival, uh, that's huge. That's huge. Now, they're going to have to play them again. Um, we'll see how things roll in this one. It's hard to beat a team twice. We know that. Um, but based on what, what Michigan did uh, on Friday, I don't see why they can't replicate that, um, especially um, it, you know if they have the same day that they did at the face-off dot, um, especially if they can force uh, Ohio State to have the trouble uh, where they held Ohio State 18-20 in the clearing game, which um, you know, typically Ohio State's had a pretty good ride the past couple of seasons. Michigan ro- rode pretty hard on Saturday night, uh, Friday night. And then uh, the, the the biggest stat for me, I think, and then this this kind of this this is really shocking. When when I when I read this, going back writing the the write up here. So obviously, we know Michigan dominated the faceoff dot. They also dominated the ground ball game. Uh, they out ground balled, if that's even a word, um, or a term, out ground balled Ohio State forty seven. That's four and seven to eighteen. 47 to 18. That's how you lose games. Doesn't matter if you're getting the ground balls or you're not getting the ground balls on the faceoff or on loose balls in, in, in your offensive or defensive zone. That's how you lose games. That is how you lose games. And Ohio State had you no know, nine turnovers in this one to. Michigan's 11. Um, there are things that Ohio State you know, did uh, maybe a bit better in this game than Michigan did. However, um, Ohio State, uh, you're, not, you're getting smoked in ground balls and you're getting smoked at the faceoff dot. Um, and also, you know, they did get outshot 49 to 34, so you're getting outshot by 10. Uh, you're not getting the opportunities, and you're not 
cashing in on the on the opportunities that you do get. Um, just a, a a bad day all around for Ohio State. Uh, another tough loss for them, and that one. And again, one of the more surprising teams this season for me is Ohio State, and just how you know non competitive they've been in some of these games. And like, look, they were in it against against Maryland. They were in that one till the end. Um, you know, they fought back in this one late, uh, but but was it was already too late. Um, you know, time had already run its course. Uh, there was nothing else they really could have done. It would have they would have needed a Herculean like effort uh, to to get this one. Um, and, and as far as I'm concerned, there's no David on Ohio State. There's no uh, Goliath sitting there for Michigan that they could have swing a rock at um, and, and taken them down. It just it, it wasn't going to happen. Um, but whatever metaphor, whatever. You want to say it wasn't going to happen, and Ohio State another uh, tough loss for them, and and they certainly I think right now unless Ohio State and this next team we'll talk about here are teams coming in the season I firmly thought were going to be in the NCAA tournament. I thought we're going to be there, um, and I don't think they're going to be there um, when Selection Sunday comes, and that next team here is Rutgers. So I'm, I'm going to read you this little snippet from my uh, Friday recap here to start this kind of looking at this Penn State-Rutgers game. So, and this is wild. Um, this time last year, Penn State was coming off a 15-14 overtime loss to Rutgers and on its way to finish with a Big Ten quarterfinal loss to Johns Hopkins, ending the year with a 3-11 record, 1-4 in Big Ten play. One year later, and the Nittany Lions are sitting at 9-3 overall, with a 4-1 record in Big Ten play, and have earned a share of the regular season Big Ten title. By virtue of beating Rutgers 14-5 to take back the Friendship Cup, Penn State also gets the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament with this win and with Hopkins' win over Maryland. Penn State came out of the gate hot, gets up 5-0, Eric Savetti gets Rutgers on the board and with 28 ticks left. And this one, uh, you get a pair from Jack Amone and David Sprock make it 5-3. to three, And you think, oh, this is going to be a tight game. This is, you know, Both these teams wanted this. There was things for both these teams here that they, that they needed this win for. Penn State to help ensure they get that number one seed that they host the Big Ten tournament. For Rutgers, they need this win to get off the to, at least for the time, get to a bubble-in situation at best. I had them, I believe, bubble out on uh, last last Monday. Um, however, that 5-3 lead, uh, that 5-3 uh, deficit is the closest Rutgers would get all day. The closest they would get all day. Jack Tracy on 17 saves in cage. This Penn State defense showed its teeth once more, held Rutgers off the board nearly a 15-minute stretch uh, and a 20-minute stretch of the contest uh, there. And this one, um, they held them to just two goals in the second half of play. Jack Posey on Ross Scott. He holds him to just one assist. Uh, Posey had two cause turnovers, one ground ball on the day. Uh, j- just a, another tremendous, just dominating performance here for Penn State. 
TJ Malone, one goal, four assists. Kevin Winkoff, three goals, one assist. Luke Moso, two goals, two assists. Um, a, a dominating performance here for Penn State. And obviously, yeah, they get that number one seed in the Big Ten. And Rutgers, again, a team that even coming, I, I, and, and we knew Ohio State, there was, there was some trouble there heading into Big Ten play. With Rutgers, who saw this coming? That Rutgers would end Big Ten play one and four, and as the number six seed. If you raise your hand, you're lying. This is a team that returned uh, a, a good chunk of its, uh, you know, younger core as well as some veteran guys offensively. They got in a ton of dudes uh, via the transfer portal um, and brought back some players defensively. We saw the the the. Uh, the Issues addressed and the holes addressed in the portal at the defensive midfield spot. Is this a situation where uh, the transfer portal didn't work? I don't think so. I think this is just a Rutgers team. I never thought they were as good as they were last year, but I think this is a team that's showing th- this made that that they certainly are not as good as last year. Right? Th- they're proving the point, but they're doing so in a way I didn't think they would do so. I thought Rutgers would still make the tournament, maybe lose in the first round, maybe in the quarterfinals. I didn't see them getting back to championship weekend, but this is a team that is one and four in Big Ten play. People one and four. The one win is an overtime win to Michigan. And look, it's not like they weren't in any of these games. They had a couple bad ones, yes. And this is part. This is the worst. But. I mean, they were in it against Hopkins. And, I mean, look, coming in Big Ten play, what were they? 7-1, and one, I believe it was. Who was their one loss? The Army. The Army. A good Army team we just talked about. It's puzzling, man. It's it's puzzling. And, ha- I mean, I've watched almost every Rutgers game this season, and I, it's puzzling, man. It's, it's puzzling. They, they've been good. Uh, but just not good enough to win in the Big Ten uh, this season. Uh, and they get number six seed, and they got to play Maryland again. So tough out for them. Tough out for them. Um, some other things I want to mention here: Air Force upsets Jacksonville. So um, you now have a situation where um, so Air Force beat Jacksonville, Utah beat Air Force and Jacksonville and Bellarmine. Bellarmine beat Air Force. Bellman plays Jacksonville on Saturday. I think Jacksonville wins that one for sure. Uh, but but to a situation where the Bellman Knights could be uh, as high as I believe number three in the ASUN tournament if they should beat Jacksonville, uh, which again I don't foresee happening. But that's kind of crazy that that's where we sit. I uh, did not see that coming when we came into. The A Sun this season did not even see Air Force being in conversation for that number two seed. I thought it'd be Jacksonville, Utah, number one, number two, Utah, three, probably Bellarmine, four, you know, Cleveland State, most of those teams there at, uh, you know, five and six. More or less, that looks like what that looked like what we were going to get until this weekend. Uh, Air Force, a a big one, and I'm gonna have to go back and watch this one. I didn't get to get to see this, but um, what a game! 
what a what, what a win here for for Air Force. Aiden Tolan, four goals. Matt Lu, uh, Lubian, three goals. Um, Brennan Dodd, two goals. Josh Yager, two goals. Each found the back of the net twice over what was a uh, a thirty plus minute stretch where the Dolphins out uh, excuse me where the uh, the the Falcons outscored the Dolphins eleven to three. Um, and Air Force was down 4-3 at the end of the first quarter. Um, and outscored them 11-3 for a 30-minute stretch here uh, from, like, a 30-ish minute stretch from the 10-54 mark of the, of the second through the 12-03 mark in the fourth. Again, I'm going to have to go and, and and watch this one, but a, a, a dominating win here there. Uh, a dominating win here for the Falcons, and um, I mean, from what I can tell, it looks like their defense played well. Um, the faceoff dot here for Jacksonville was not necessarily an issue. Um, we find that stat here; they were um, twenty. For 28, Nathan Cap was at the dot, so that that did not seem to be an issue on the day. 23 turnovers for Jacksonville, 10 of them caused by the Falcons. Now, Air Force had 20 turnovers as well. Uh, th- th- this is a a fantastic game here for a fantastic win for Air Force. Jacksonville also. Won the ground ball battle, 36-26. Um, if you look at the box score, you're not necessarily going to see anything that would tell you, like, hey, why was this game the way it was? But uh, Air Force, just, just a, a really big stretch in, in the middle here. Um, and again, I'm going to have to go watch. Um, I watched the end of this, but I didn't see the... Uh, well, Jackson was trying to come back in here, so I didn't see the majority of this game, but I'm going to have to go back and... and, uh, and and watch that one in whole. Um, we'll talk about that a bit more, I think, on on Tuesday's show. Um, Notre Dame and Virginia both dominate in their games. I don't want to talk too much about these, uh, but I just want to mention Notre Dame beats North Carolina 19-9. Eric Dobson with a hat trick. Pat Cavanaugh, one goal, three assists. Chris Cavanaugh, two goals, one assist. Lee Mintman uh, got hit like in the elbow, I think it was, um, in a, with a shot. In warm-ups, goes in the locker room. Uh, it, on the broadcast, they made it sound like he's questionable. He does play, and he plays amazing 16 saves to anchor this Notre Dame defense that holds Carolina to nine. Another tough loss here for Carolina. They're in that same Rutgers boat now, and they've got one game left against Notre Dame. I don't think, you know, Rutgers um, has, the, has the ability, or at least the Hope that they could win the Big Ten tournament and get the AQ. They could get, uh, you know, possibly two more wins before that Big Ten title game if they shall win those two games against Maryland and then uh, would play Hopkins. Um, so they've got opportunities, more opportunities possibly, um, to better their resume. Notre Dame, uh, I mean, uh, North Carolina doesn't really have that. They've got Notre Dame left. Seeing that they lost to them nineteen to nine on Saturday, um, it's going to be tough to convince me that they're going to win next time either. 
Um, and look, they they made it a seven five game at the half, but after being down seven to one, but they uh, Notre Dame took over and, and, and controlled this one for the majority of it. Um, Virginia takes down Syracuse nineteen to twelve. Didn't watch too much of this one. You had the nineteen eighties throwback jerseys for Virginia. I liked those. Um, Wallace Tiffany had the uh, shirt and tie on uh, there, which uh, different look for him there. Looking like uh, Jim Ace Adams, I believe it was, um, the coach in the 80s uh, there at Virginia. And uh, Xander Dixon, seven goals, two assists, nine points. That ties a career high for him. Peyton Cormier, four goals. Matthew Nunes, 10 saves in cage. Um, I, I think we're like, so we've mentioned a lot about like, uh, uh, about Schellenberger and him being, you know, held to like, one one or, 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 or you know three assists or whatever it may be, I and, but I and we've also talked about how maybe that's not like the uh, it's not the way you beat Virginia Virginia <laughs> because they've got so many other guys and uh, they continue to show that obviously here uh, Xander Dixon uh, having himself a, a fantastic season uh, one of those guys that you kind of mentioned in the fall was hey like. So got to watch out for, you know, we've seen him have big games before and, and step up in, in places. Uh, he stepped up huge this season uh, as well. You know, Peyton Cormier continuing to do what he does there for the Cavaliers also. A couple other things to note here. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Coach Pat Myers and the Lafayette Leopards. First time since 2010, Lafayette will be going to the Patriot League tournament as they clinched a spot in that tournament on Friday. 14-13 overtime win over Bucknell. Carmen uh, Crom put home the game winner, 2.36 left in the overtime period. A nasty backhanded shot uh, in the heart of the defense off a Liam Sargent. Uh, feed there. This was an 8-3 game at the half. A heck of a comeback here from Bucknell to make it a game and force overtime, but Lafayette gets the win in this one. Charlie Cunefi with uh, 8 points off 4 goals and 4 assists to lead the way for Lafayette. Uh, Lafayette 6-8. and eight. They're 3-3 three and three in Patriot League play and they are heading to the postseason. They've got Virginia next week before they head to the Patriot League tournament. A uh, couple other things want to note here. Uh, I did not get to see the Marquette-Georgetown game, but it was a thriller as we had uh, the, the Marquette-Villanova uh, game, excuse me, uh, as Villanova uh, wins 16-15. Austin Frazier uh, puts in the overtime game winner in that one, and um, Marquette, I uh, I think I said earlier in the season, like don't don't sleep on Marquette or, or back in January. Um, and I haven't I haven't I haven't done so, but uh, have not mentioned them as much as I should this year. They did have the win over uh, Penn State. They who's the other team they beat? They did beat Michigan, um, but uh, almost beating Villanova in this one. Um, and, and look, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the Big East. Tournament, um, Marquette, did they, yeah, they already played, they already played Georgetown, um, Villanova plays Georgetown this weekend, uh, this coming weekend, a big one there, and that one, uh, the MAC tournament is set 
So I'll just run this real quick here. Um, Manhattan beat Wagner 6-2. They get the number one seed by virtue of that win. And with Siena beating Mount St. Mary's 13-12, the Mount gets the number two seed. Uh, the number three seed goes to Marist. They beat VMI 18-7 on Saturday. The number four seed goes to Siena. Uh, and the number five seed goes to Sacred Heart. They beat Canisius 15-8. First time since 2019 that Sacred Heart is heading to the postseason. Um, and then you have uh, Quinnipiac getting the number six seed. They beat LIU 19-13 on Saturday, and that one, again, will be previewing the Big Ten and the MAC tournaments on lacrossebucket.com early this uh, coming week, and, and we'll talk about those on Tuesday's show, as well as diving into our typical weekly bracketology talk on that episode. As always, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcast, leave the five-star reviews where you can. Hit the subscribe button where you can as well. You can also watch the show on YouTube. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button there. Hit the like button there. All of those ways help us grow the show. You can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.